What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the TSK Show, Jacob and I will discuss Wild Card Weekend in the NFL as the playoffs are set and the race to the Super Bowl is officially on. We'll also talk about the coaching carousel going on in the NFL, and then we'll transition to some hoops as Darren Collison announced he is mulling a return to the NBA after a brief quote-unquote retirement. And we also had our first trade of the year since we last recorded, so we'll talk about if this trade could set off a chain reaction as we are a little over a month away from the NBA trade deadline, in addition to also talking about the first all-star voting returns being announced. All right, let's start the show. What's up, Jacob? How you doing, man? Happy New Year. What's going on, man? How was your Christmas and New Year? Oh, Christmas was okay. I spent it at work, and New Year's Eve was cool. I spent it at work. Oh, same. (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, yeah, we were kind of in the same boat as as each other on that one. Uh, This is the Sports Kingdom TSK show. Uh, I'm your host, Eric the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm here with co-host producer extraordinaire Jacob Gonzalez our other co-host Tyler Pacholke is not here but he will be back next week so uh let's just start it off how we normally do uh we're first in- episode of the new year too yeah think, first I epi- may add yeah first episode of the new year 2020 thank you for reminding me pretty exciting that this was now the third calendar year the TSK show has entered we've got to have a uh, anniversary party or something well, the anniversary is in September, so we still got ways oh, ways so away have, for that. Yeah, and we have months then. Oh, the, so then we'll plan it around summer. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it uh, closer to the actual date. But yeah, first first episode of the new year, twenty twenty, is upon us, and we're we're looking for big things for the TSK show in the in the upcoming year. But let's kick it off like we normally do during football season with a little fantasy football talk, as it, the season has now come to a close. Which you, last episode, you were eliminated from the playoffs in all three leagues, correct? Yeah. I I did not make the championship in any league that I was a part of this year, but I ended up placing third in one of my leagues. Shout out to the commish of that league, my good friend Corey Holbert, who we have to get on the show at some time. Uh, we've ta- me and him have talked about it multiple times, and the timing just never worked out, but I know he's got some takes that I'm sure we would love to talk about here on the TSK show. And because I got third place in that league, I ended up getting my money back. Oh, there's some money involved. All for, right. For okay. the buy-in. Uh, so it wasn't a total loss on the season. So if you didn't get any money for Christmas or New Year's. Well, New Year's is not really a holiday. Oh, and then no. you don't celebrate. Oh. Yeah, come on, dude. What are, uh, what are we doing it here? It completely slipped my mind. But either way. Fine. And, I, and I got my laptop for Hanukkah. So like that was an okay. all, well, all-encompassing. You didn't get money for, for Christmas because you don't celebrate it. But you got money in your fantasy league. Yeah, but I still lost more than I won. So then so, it's not a win. But it wasn't a total loss. But did you break even? No, not even close. So then it's a loss. Yeah. But all right, enough about me. 
the TSK show league that we run here uh, as part of the show has crowned a new champion. And I would like to congratulate the new champion of the TSK show league, Mr. Sean Sweeney. The trophy is on its way from Washington. Uh, I believe Chad is going to send it down. And once we get it, we will get that bad boy to you, Sean. So congratulations on winning the second season of the TSK show fantasy football league. So with that, we'll move on from fantasy to reality as it is wildcard weekend here in the NFL. The regular season is over and the race for the Super Bowl is on. Oh, now it begins. Now, yeah, the season was fun and everything, but I think in the last three weeks you already had your contenders already set. So now it's just basically put your money where your mouth is now. Yeah. Now we got four, uh, four games total this weekend. Two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. The AFC's going on Saturday, NFC going on Sunday. So let's just start it off like we do the picks of the week for Wild Card Weekend. We got the number four seed Buffalo Bills in the AFC coming in at 10 and 6. They're going to, or hold on, that the doesn't Bills, seem right. The Bills are playing in uh, Texas, yeah. Houston, yeah. So that, Houston. I'm sorry, the, the rankings would then be switched around. Yeah, Buffalo is five. Houston is four. Buffalo going to Houston. Both teams coming in at 10 and six. Josh Allen making his first career playoff start. And like like we said last uh, episode, none of us really had faith in the Buffalo Bills, but they're here. First playoff appearance since 1999. I don't think their first trip to the playoffs is going to be successful. 20 years. Yeah, is going to be successful. Unfortunately not, and I will have to agree with you. I'm still choosing uh, Houston in this game only because I feel like they have better weapons, and despite Deshaun Watson only having a couple of years of experience, I still feel like he's built for this moment rather than Allen. Yeah, I think ultimately Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Oh, by far. Josh Allen is a talented quarterback, and we, we've seen that this year with him leading the Bills to the playoffs in only his second year in the league, but... Like you said, I think Houston has too many weapons to to compete with Buffalo. And I think ultimately it being a home game for Houston doesn't really give them that much more of an advantage because Buffalo's coming from a cold weather But it gives city. them a slight edge, though. It gives them a slight edge, but I think Buffalo playing in a dome isn't as much of a disadvantage for them as it would be for Houston playing up in Buffalo is yeah. what I'm saying, oh, yeah. basically. And, and and this is no disrespect to Buffalo because, like we've said throughout the uh, our, our our episodes, they've had a hell of a season. You said it, Tyler said it, I've said it. We didn't expect them. I don't think nobody expected them to do this well, especially in the division of of the Patriots, and to be kind of like almost not neck and neck, but they were right there. That w- that loss that they had to them, if they would have beaten them, who knows how the seedings would have came out? Yeah, for because sure. Because the Patriots ended up losing to the Dolphins. Yeah. Now, I mean, we'll get to that in a second, but. Yeah, I mean, ultimately for this game, it's I think Houston's going to win and move on. Now, the Tennessee Titans going up to Foxborough oh, to play so New England. <laughs> it's interesting because Mike Vrabel comes from that Bill Belichick coaching tree. Uh, he knows some of the tendencies the Patriots have. But this is also Ryan Tannehill's first playoff career start. And he has to go up to Foxborough and go up against Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. And... Yep. The Death Star, basically. That's that's what's worrying me. It's if Houston or Buffalo was playing uh, New England, 
I would have a little bit more confidence in this matchup, but because it's Tennessee, I feel like the I feel like the Patriots are going to win this one easily. Yeah, especially with them losing to Miami and ending the season on such a sour note that they're not really used to. Damn, Miami's got the best of them two years in a row. <laughs> they always seem to beat them somehow, some way, at least once during the year. As as much as the Patriots are a dominant force in their division, they somehow manage to shit the bed once every year against the Dolphins. Yeah. Now, like like you said, I just think it's it's going to be the Patriots winning this game in a pretty convincing fashion because of how their season ended. And there are so many doubters out there saying that the Patriots are done. I've heard many people say they're not going to be able to go through uh, either – Kansas City or Baltimore if they make it to the AFC Championship. So, I mean, them not having home field advantage for the first time in a long time, they haven't made the Super Bowl without it. That's true, yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the Patriots down the line, but ultimately on wild card weekend this Saturday, I think they're going to win. Oh, yeah, no. I, I There's no there's no doubt that they're going to win and move on. But if they if they move on, obviously, they're going to have to play the Chiefs. In the next round, in Arrowhead, in Kansas City, in Kansas City, which last, is one of the most hostile, one of the most hostile environments in football. Which last year they played them in New England. Yeah. So the the tables are are, are turned now, and the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're sitting at the second spot right now, you're kind of licking your chops at a rematch. Yeah, especially when you get a week off. To especially prepare. the bye. Yep. So I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting, but. All right, let's move on now to the NFC on Sunday. We got the number six Minnesota Vikings coming in at 10 and six. They're going down to the bayou to take on the New Orleans Saints coming in at 13 and three. Drew Brees, historic season. Michael Thomas, historic season, breaking Marvin Harrison's records. We good? Yep. Oh, okay. You, no, no, we're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um,. Yeah, Michael Thomas, uh, historic season, breaking Marvin Harrison's record, uh, having the most reception yards in the league this year. Minnesota, unfortunately, is just going to run into a buzzsaw, I think, because New Orleans is, they seem like the team of destiny. Yeah. Almost. I still have New Orleans winning this game, but the only thing is, in my mind, I always have that thought in the back of my head, what happened a couple years ago with this matchup. When, uh, oh, the Minnesota yes, Miracle? exactly. With, with with Diggs? Yeah, I mean, anything can happen, but I just think... Yeah, th- that's the only thing that concerns me. But other than that, as far as the, the weapons that the Saints have uh, versus, like, let's say, the defense that Minnesota has and their weapons, too, it, it's tough because if you're going quarterback to quarterback, I'm still taking Breeze off. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, Breeze over Cousins any day Big of the week. Time, yeah. We also still don't know what's going on with Dalvin Cook. And what his health status is, I I'm assuming he's gonna play in the game because he because he he's a gamer play, like that. It's, it's over before the uh, I know it's over at halftime. I will say no, it's over before the game starts if he oh, doesn't yeah. play. If he doesn't play, yeah, it, it's over. But I think he is gonna ultimately play. But is he gonna be a hundred percent? How much are they gonna rely on the run game? Are they gonna try and use the air assault more than the run game because they have to compensate for Dalvin's injury. And he's essential too, because he's, yeah, he's one hell of a player as well. And he's had a great year, but you can't really trust Kirk cousins. Yeah, no, the receivers are going to do everything they can, but it's up to Kirk cousins to get him the ball. He has to get him the ball. You have great pieces in Thielen. 
you know, and digs, but you have to get them the ball. Yeah, so ultimately I, I got Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and the Saints moving on. But the next matchup is going to be very interesting. Battle of the Birds. The Seattle Seahawks coming in at 11-5 and five as the five seed. Coming, well, they got to go to Philadelphia to take on the four seed coming in at 9-7. and seven. Which, see, that struck me as a little bit weird. Throughout it's, the year. It's because Philly exactly. won the division. That, so, that, that's what was weird to me. Throughout the year, it just seemed like Seattle played that much better, and they have. Oh, Seattle's a, I think Seattle's a much better team. Yeah, by far. That's why I'm taking them in this game. I also have Seattle winning this game. Doesn't matter if they're going on the road. No, I don't I don't think going on the road matters to Seattle. They can play in any environment. I've seen them do it m- multiple times. And yes, I know they lost in a very weird fashion with the way it all went down at the very end of week 17 against the Niners with a delay a game call and did he get across the goal line? Did he not? Why did they even get a delay a game when they could have just been on the one yard line, giving the ball to Marshawn? That's the whole reason you resigned the guy. Which, yeah, that brings me to my question that I was going to ask you. I've asked a bunch of people, how how do they look now with him? I know he's obviously older, but his second time around with them, how does he look? What chances he give them heading into the playoffs? He didn't look that bad, but there in was the some game. rust. Oh, you could definitely see this guy just got off the couch. Oh, 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 yeah. There was one breakaway run that I vividly remember uh, watching during the game. And you could just see, like you said, he he's maybe in, in shape, but not the best shape. Right. He's got to play himself back into shape. But that's that's what you do as a professional athlete. you got to stay ready. And I think ultimately, if Marshawn shows that he's not going to be helpful, they won't put him in. and they. We'll just move on to the next guy. Football is such a – it's a next-man-up mentality exactly. sport. Especially that team, too. Yeah. But ultimately, I think Seattle wins. It's Carson Wentz's first playoff start. because Obviously, he wasn't a part of that uh, Super Bowl run that they had a couple of years ago with Nick Foles. So it's – Now you see if – if you're the Eagles, you see if that trade, it was uh, either bad or good on your side. Yeah. But I think the – I think all four of these games – have the potential to have a lot of highlights. Except for the Patriots and Titans game. No, I mean, listen, Derrick Henry's the rushing champ, so he, he could put oh, he on— He can't do everything, though. He can't do everything, and I don't Especially really— Especially against the Patriots' secondary? Yeah, I don't really trust Ryan Tannehill no. throwing against uh, Stephen Gilmore. It's pick city already. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, listen, it's, it's going to be a wild weekend, and there's a— all pun intended with it being wild card weekend. Uh, I think these games are going to be a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what, what goes down. Obviously, the, the one and two seeds in each conference have buys. The one seed in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens, and the, the two seed, the Kansas City Chiefs, are awaiting their next opponents. And they really look like they're on a collision course to meet in the AFC Championship game. Oh, I would love for them to meet in the AFC Championship game. I mean... It would just be so much fun to watch well, Patrick I get Mahomes that. and Lamar Jackson go up against each other. See, to me, that would be one hell of a matchup. That's the only matchups I, I really care about right now. Right now, wild card is cool and everything, but I, I'm already looking forward wait, to the wake one you and two up, seed. Wake you up in a couple weeks when it's, it's the exactly, championship game? Yeah. I'll just maybe a couple of these games, just box scores, but the one and two seed right now in the AFC, that's what I want to see. 
Well, what about the one and two seed in the NFC? We got San Francisco, the one seed, and Green Bay, the two seed. That's funny that you bring that up. I don't have a lot of trust in Green Bay right now. I don't really have a lot of trust in San Francisco in the in in the postseason. We we don't know what's what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do. We've never seen him in a playoff game before. The only thing, obviously, what most people will say is keeping him afloat is his secondary and then his pieces that he has surrounding him. He is a good quarterback, but like you said, he doesn't have the experience in the playoffs. So yeah. when you have to go up against, which I'm assuming the matchup is going to be him against the Seahawks, and it's going to be a rematch, and yeah. they went, they split I it one and one. I love for that to happen. And no, I think for sure that's going to happen, unless Seahawks just completely, you know, shit the bed, and you know it's just over for them, and all they make all the mistakes. But it'll be them and the Niners again in a rematch. But now, it's, but it'll be up in Santa Clara. Exactly. That that's the only downside. But again, Seattle's a good road team too. Yeah, Seattle plays. I mean, Seattle plays well on the no matter yeah. where. No matter where they are. But you have Russell Wilson. He's been there, done that. Oh, yeah. He's got a ring to prove it. Exactly. So now you're going up against Garoppolo again. But this time, the stakes are a little bit different. You're in the playoffs now. Yeah. No, it's... Listen, the playoffs make or break people's careers. It's it's a time for you to make a name for yourself. So it's it's going to be a fun ride to see who ends up in the Super Bowl in Miami. Super Bowl's in Miami this year. Can you believe that? Somebody asked me that the other day, and I said, I think it's in Atlanta, but I think that was last year. Yeah, it was last year. And, I, and then I said, all right, let me look it up. I looked it up. Miami. It's great. <laughs> what better city for, for a Super Bowl? Than Miami? Yeah. Well, right now, you wouldn't want it in the summer. It'd be hot as hell. Well, or, or mild, you know, mild, like, you know, <laughs> temperature. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just thinking about all the nightlife and all the parties that are going to be there that weekend. Oh yeah, whoever wins, they're heading straight to the club afterwards. Oh yeah. Oh. And think about this. It's Super Bowl 54. The initials or the Roman numerals are LIV. What's a famous club in Miami? Is that what it is? Club Live. <laughs> You've never heard of Club Live? No, I've never been to Miami. I mean, I've never been to Miami either, but I've heard of Club Live. I wouldn't know about. It. I just no. I wouldn't know about it. I'd, unless celebrities talk about it or something. That right, a bunch of rappers go there. Oh, okay, that's why. It's in a bunch of songs. I, I, oh, I, I haven't heard. No, actually, I have not heard it. Okay. Well, they're going there probably. Whoever wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they got they got all the free merchandising they need because the Roman numerals L I V and then Club Live, baby. All I'm saying is don't party like the Cavs did the year that they won, where Jarrett Smith. I think they flew to Vegas. Yeah, but I'm, I, dude. If I win the Super Bowl, I'm doing exactly what J.R. Smith did. I'm acting keeping a the, fool, keeping the jersey on, keeping the jersey on, and then I'm taking it off, not wearing a shirt for like at least a month. The man was shirtless for for a month. Yeah, I mean, listen, he just won an NBA championship. Can you blame him? Well, hopefully the players don't, you know, party to that extent. But yeah, it'll be it'll be in Miami. No, this year come on, it'll be, it'll be fun. What are you, the no fun police? No, not not that. I'm just well, you clearly don't want him to party. <laughs> Hey, you win a championship, you know, have some class, then go party. You can have class and party at the same time. All right, what J.R. Smith did, I don't know. That was just some. That was just some like hood ass right, right. stuff. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see who gets there first. All right, enough, enough of that. It's it's time to talk about the NFL coaching carousel because it's it's always that time of year where teams need to look to the future, and it might not be with who is at the helm right now 
And the Washington Redskins have decided to hire Ron Rivera after firing Jay Gruden midseason. Rivera is also bringing along Jack Del Rio as his defensive coordinator. Do we like this move for the Redskins? What do we think? I I personally, to me, when I saw the news, it had like a question mark on it. And from the people that I've talked to and from the the articles that I've read, it's been 50-50. A lot of people are saying, uh, yes, it was a good move on Rivera's part, but no, because he's going into basically like a hellhole of of what they've endured the past couple seasons. Yeah, obviously, I don't think the Washington Redskins are a top-of-the-line franchise in the NFL and in sports in general. Oh, no. Dan Snyder is obviously, I, I think, regarded as probably one of the worst owners in all of sports. But I think it's actually a good fit for Ron Rivera to go to the Redskins. They have a young quarterback in Dwayne Haskins Jr. who's young, mobile, athletic. He can throw the ball. He can run. Sound familiar like another quarterback Ron Rivera's coached? Exactly. And in, in the stuff that I read, too, especially in, in Rivera's press conference when he was introduced and everything, that was the one thing that he mentioned was he said, obviously, this is not going to happen overnight. He said, but I do see a lot of qualities. He wasn't comparing him to Cam, but he was just saying, I see a lot of qualities in a, in a high pick for him for him as a quarterback. Yeah, no, listen, in the time that Dwayne Haskins was out there, after Jay Gruden was fired, because I don't think Jay Gruden was putting him in the right positions, Dwayne Haskins showed a lot of promise. So I think, obviously, before he got hurt uh, at the end of the season, he was making strides and and showing promise. So I think with a full offseason with Ron Rivera and learning the system, I think I think there's a lot of potential with that that quarterback coach dynamic. And Tyler and I have talked about it many times on the show where it is so important for the quarterback and the head coach to be on the same page. So if Ron Rivera and Dwayne Haskins Jr. can get on the same page quickly, they might be able to find a spark there in Washington if if they put the right pieces around uh, Dwayne Haskins. Especially too, what I've seen is that a lot of people regard him as a player's as a player's coach. Yeah, a lot of players and, like him, and it and it showed before. So the only question mark I had was just that he was going into a, like a bad situation as far as the team's record, where their seasons like have showed in the past couple years. Yeah, the franchise isn't the it's, greatest. So that's why when when I saw the news, it was a little bit alarming. I was like, well, why did he choose Washington out of all spots? But Haskins does show promise, like you said, and that's what he mentioned in his press conference, that he just shows some of those qualities. So maybe he sees something that we don't. Yeah. So, all right, the next head coaching vacancy on the list is the New York Giants. They are also looking for a new head coach, and they've received permission to talk to Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. They're also going to interview former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. So uh, what do we think the Giants should do? They're they're another one of those dysfunctional uh, organizations right now, too. But they have pretty much their core set. They they do. Which... So it's... It's really just about finding the right fit for, uh, uh, what's his name? What's the quarterback's name? Why am I blanking right now? Daniel, Daniel Jones. Can't, I don't know why. I, I got, just, it, it yeah. got to you eventually. Da, uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. 
That's yeah, yeah, that is their future. So I mean, Josh McDaniels, I think, would be a good fit. Mike McCarthy, I think, would also be a good fit. I just, it's just ultimately up to who the Giants want. Do you know what his record was? It was nine and twenty-three as as the head coach. Who? Josh McDaniels? No, Pat Shermer. Oh yeah, no, it yeah. was awful. That is bad. Yeah, no, the Giants are awful, but they also held on to Eli too long. See, that was that was an issue this year too. They were they were in the news for the wrong reasons. Their horrible record, blowing games, and then the whole thing with Eli Manning. Yeah, no, the whole Eli Manning situation was definitely not handled the way it should have been. But I mean, ultimately, I think the New York Giants head coaching position is an attractive one because of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. That's the only reason why uh, a person offered the job would take it. Yeah, I mean. Because you see two young pieces there. With a lot of potential. Exactly. As as much chaos as they had last year or the year before that, you did see a lot of promise when they drafted Barkley. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, if I'm choosing between Josh McDaniels and Mike McCarthy. Are you taking McDaniels? No, I'm actually taking McCarthy. McCarthy's got a Super Bowl ring. He he, oh, won, true, yeah. he he won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. He knows what it takes for a quarterback to win a Super Bowl. So I think he could I think he could be a good fit for Daniel Jones to to take that next step as a starting quarterback in the NFL as it is going to be officially his job next season because I don't think Eli Manning will be returning to the Giants. Oh no. And, and whatever coach they do hire, like you said, I hope it's a good fit because otherwise he will find himself looking for another job next year. Yeah. All right. Now, the Browns, <laughs> all three of these franchises are some of the shittiest franchises in sports right now. This one does not surprise me at all, though. But, yeah, so the Browns are once again looking for a new head coach after firing Freddie Kitchens after one season at the helm. There are reports that the Browns are strongly interested in hiring Urban Meyer, former Ohio State head coach, but apparently it's not for certain that Myers feel the same Myers feels the same way. Uh they're also for a GM, right? Aren't they looking for a new GM as well? Well, no, they they said they're going Yeah, they are looking for a new GM, but they said they're going to hire a head coach first and then, then hire a know. GM, which I think is ass backwards. I will never understand <laughs> well, why you would hire yeah. the employee before the boss. But that okay, but that doesn't that sum up their franchise in a nutshell? Yeah, but no, 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 no. There's no buts. Doesn't it sum it up though? It yes. says everything about this organization. Yeah, they're how dysfunctional they've been in the past decade. You past decade, they're pretty yes. much their entire existence. Well, yeah, that that especially. But in this past decade, they've just been horrible. Not just the players, not just the record, but how they've handled everything. Yeah. No, it the Browns are a joke, and they were all this hype this year, and it all came out to be nothing. Yeah, they were only hype during the preseason, and before that, when it came time to show for it, nothing happened. Yeah, John Dorsey, John Dorsey put together an all-star team, basically. And it ultimately ended up costing him his job because it, it was all for nothing. Well, it showed with your 6-10 and 10 record for this year. <laughs> yeah. Now, what all-star team is that? Well, it was all for nothing. I said that. I know. 
He's making a point. So, all right. Like I said, they're strongly interested in hiring Urban Meyer, but Meyer probably doesn't feel the same way about that because he's got his eyes set on other jobs in the NFL probably. The Browns are also interested in talking to Josh McDaniels and Mike McCarthy like the New York Giants are. But interestingly enough, Baylor head coach Matt Rule declined a chance to interview with the Browns because he has his eyes set on other openings if given the opportunity. So you have the Browns putting out feelers and you got a guy turning them down. Yeah, nobody wants that job. What do they what do they end up doing? Where do they where do they go from here? I I was advocating for as soon as Ron Rivera got fired in Carolina midseason for the Browns to fire Freddie Kitchens midseason and hire Ron Rivera. Yeah, how did Kitchens make it to the end of the season, but Rivera didn't? That's and and I wouldn't even blame Rivera. Sorry to go back to him, but I wouldn't even blame him. Cam was out. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? It's not entirely his fault. Yeah, I think I think it was much more of a mutual parting for Ron Rivera in Carolina. That's what I figured towards the end. But yeah, I mean, I don't know where the Browns go. I think I honestly think anything is a step up from Freddie Kitchens. I don't think he should have gotten the job in the first place. He only got the job because of his relationship with Baker Mayfield. And clearly Baker Mayfield hasn't shown that he is a legitimate starter in the NFL. Yes, he's started for the Browns the entire year, but he he's on the Browns. He's been a little shaky at times, too. Yeah, for sure. He's he's not a number one overall. He should not have been the number one overall draft. Oh, no, no, no. And and just to add, because I like talking crap about the Browns, but just to add, this is their eighth, eighth full-time coach since 2008. They've gone through eight of them. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's bad. That is bad. And one every year for, for what, the past three seasons? Yeah, at least. Not including, I think, like the, the interim head coaches or whatever, but, yeah, the past three years. Because I, th- I think Baker Mayfield has played for a new coach every year he's been in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know where the Browns go from here. I don't know what what they decide to do. Honestly, I don't really care. because I don't know where I, the hell they're going to find their answers from. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think anything is going to change. In Cleveland, I I just really don't. Nothing, nothing they have done has given me a reason to believe that anything will change. So not any of those moves last year during free agency when they acquired all those players, they already got guys at, like telling other teams come get me. No, no, no I'm, I know that's this like year. oh like that, oh, that is this year after the fact of their six and ten season. No, that was happening mid season. No, 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 I'm saying, but last last year when they had all these players and it was, you know, this this crazy squad that they were assembling and all this hype, what did you think? I was like, okay, they might win a couple games. I wasn't saying they were going to make the playoffs. So you said maybe they'll win four, yeah, step up from, you know, their two wins from you, last year? You can't go from being winless to win in a couple games. To a playoff contender, because that's, that's what people had them at. Like, you got it. There's progression in sports. So, like, look look at the Lakers the last six years. There's been progression. Oh, awful. But it's but, gotten better every yes. year. So, it's it's all about progression. I did not have faith in the Browns there, this I, year. Their expectations were just too high, 
heading into the season. And it really showed. Like you said, players demanding trades midseason. I don't know if they were demanding trades, but they were like telling other teams and like other players while they're playing against them. That like, sounds hey, like come they want to get traded. Yeah, but they're not making like public no, trade demands. No, I know, but I'm just saying that's that's already locker uh, dysfunction going on. Yeah. But all right. Anyway, uh, a couple more. Carolina is going to be hiring a new head coach once their season is over uh, since they're in the playoffs. Or no. Are, they didn't make the playoffs. Cool. Carolina? Yeah. No, they didn't make no, the playoffs. No, I don't know why I, I don't know why I said that. Um McCaffrey, but, McCaffrey couldn't win that many games for them. No, I don't know. I don't know what just happened there. But Carolina will be hiring a new head coach. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, who they might be interested in. And then some breaking news right before we just started recording. Dallas just informed Jason Garrett he will not be a part of their plans for the future so i gotta assume that that's a job that urban meyer is interested in as the dallas cowboys is america's team quote unquote still i guess they're they're another one of those teams this year i didn't have a lot of confidence in them either in winning games which a lot of the games that they did win were against the crappy teams well yeah they were just such a hot and cold team you never know you never knew which dallas cowboys team was going to show up each week so, I mean, Jerry Jones has put all all the faith in himself. He's the owner, the CEO, the general manager. He's He's got to figure this out, and he's got to make the right decision for this next next head coaching or head coach for the, for the Dallas Cowboys. And if he doesn't, it's all on him, and he's got no one else to blame but himself. Because he has the pieces. I will say that. He does have the pieces in Zeke, Dak, Cooper. Yeah, I think but- – I think ultimately Dak and Amari Cooper will get paid this offseason. Obviously, they locked up Zeke this past offseason after he was holding out. So they they have all the, the pieces in place. They just need a head coach. Well, let's see who they look for. I mean, and I don't know if they would look for any of the ones that you mentioned, too, as far as the other candidates for, like, the uh, the I've, Redskins. Or not the Redskins, sorry, the uh, the Giants. I think, the, it's the got, I think it's got to be Urban Meyer. So you think he would take this job, obviously, over than the Browns and the Giants? Who wouldn't? Oh, I know I would. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I Absolute last job I would take would be the Browns. The Dallas Cowboys is one of the most recognizable, like, sports franchises even ever. If, even if they're not that good that year. They're still. Yeah, you still know who they are. They still play on national TV every weekend. Which surprise, really surprises me. Every weekend. <laughs> but anyway, all right, enough of the gridiron talk let's move on to some hoops as we're we're right in the thick of thick of the nba season uh obviously we didn't do an episode last week because of christmas and obviously now we're after new year's but uh darren collison is eyeing a return to the nba after announcing he would retire before the start of free agency this past summer uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN, he is looking to return, and it is likely that he will be joining one of the LA teams, either the Lakers or the Clippers. But it wouldn't be before the February sixth trade deadline. Collison's retirement was uh, a big surprise. When, I know I was really shocked when he when first he, announced yeah, it. When he said and, something. 
Woj also reported that Collison was probably going to be getting around $10 million a year in contract offers this past summer before he retired. So, yeah, it was it was weird when when the news broke that he was contemplating on retire retiring and then he finally did retire. He had that money sitting on the table for him, but he was also getting better at at his at his uh three-point shot too. His percentages were going up. Yeah. So so it's, it was weird. It was a lot of question marks too. You're like, "Well, why is he retiring?" Well, he he retired he said in his announcement that he was retiring because of religious reasons he wanted oh he's a uh he's a jehovah's witness Witness. yeah there you go yeah so he wanted to to focus more on doing work in the community and religious uh obligations as such and whatnot so i mean i can't i can't fault the guy for for wanting to do do something like that but clearly he's getting the itch to play again and i think with the report coming out that his top two targets are either the Lakers or the Clippers. I kind of wanted to dis- to discuss the, I guess, the pros and cons of each. And quickly, I guess, we'll start with the Clippers because I don't really think he would fit with them because they have so many guards on the team. And I don't think he would be their starter. They have Patrick Beverly as their starting point guard. But... If Darren Collison were to join the Clippers and be a part of that second... That would be really scary with him and Lou Williams. It would be, but he would also be taking the ball out of Lou Will's hands, and that's Lou Will's... That's his unit. That's the, That second unit is Lou Will's unit. He's he's the primary ball handler. He's the primary playmaker. Yeah, he's the orchestrator of that of that uh Right, of the and that's, that's the role that Darren Collison would be playing if he were to sign with the Clippers is he would be a part of that second unit. So I think, I don't think it makes sense for him to go to the Clippers because they have Lou Williams. Why I think he would help the Lakers. Well, the Lakers obviously need a uh, better point guard, right? They now. need another Big ball handler rate. and a playmaker, which they do not have at the one. Right. And LeBron, I know LeBron cannot play the one the entire game. No. Especially on the defensive end. No. Because we need him guarding bigger wings and and bigger players. But, and I know this is going to sound a lot like nitpicking because the Lakers are 27 and 7 and they have the best record in the West and all of that. But there are still areas of concern that I see with this team. And, and Darren Collison could be the missing puzzle piece. He would. He would be a much-needed ball handler for the second unit, as Rondo has not been effective at all, in my opinion. And Avery Bradley's done well when he's been healthy, but... He's been in and out of the lineup, though. He's been in and out of the lineup, and ultimately, I think Collison is better than both Rondo and Avery Bradley overall because he doesn't have as many glaring weaknesses as Rondo and Bradley do in their games. Rondo is obviously not the same player he once was, and Bradley has yet to show that he can stay consistently healthy with him being in and out of the lineup this year a couple times. And last year, he was out for a majority of the time. Collison doesn't necessarily have to start the game, but I could see him... But if I, he, see, but I would rather have him come off the bench, though. Right, exactly. I I don't think he necessarily has to start the game if he were to sign with the Lakers, but I think he could be a part of the closing lineup instead of a Rajon Rondo or an Avery Bradley. 
Yeah, he, he's just one of those pieces. He just really offers more than what the Lakers have as, as far as the guards go. He can push the ball. He's a decent shooter. Like I said, his three-point shot was getting better. Solid defender. So, yeah, all of those areas, complete upgrades to what Caruso, uh, Rondo, Quinn Cook, Avery Bradley, all those four guards, better better um, upgrade, I should say. Yeah, and my, my only concern with bringing a player like Darren Collison in would be the chemistry factor and Rondo being such a wild card because we have seen him be a cancer in locker rooms before we have seen him cause turmoil. What, what was it in Dallas? Right? In when Dallas he really and in Chicago. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, Rondo does have a track record and in Sacramento as well. But a lot of people got pissed in Sacramento too. But yeah, I, I yeah, there's but listen, already three teams. Though. He has a track record of creating some turmoil in locker in the locker room. So bringing in a player like Darren Collison and taking minutes away from Rondo, I'm not sure how that would affect Rondo's psyche. I'm not sure if he would take it personally. I I would hope he wouldn't because at the end of the day, the NBA is a business. But it's. And he it, really hasn't shown for himself this season either. It's, to me, I think it's a valid concern. And, yes, there is also the argument in terms of chemistry. Some players on teams don't like each other, but they will still put their differences aside once they get in between those lines and play the game. Shaq and Kobe is, I think, the perfect example. Yeah, they still won titles together, even though by, I think, was it the second year, third year, they were yeah. having issues. Yeah, they, they didn't really mesh all that well together personality wise but on the court it was magic it was beautiful so that that would be my only concern is how it might affect some players psyche bringing in another player but ultimately if i'm a player and i see someone coming on to this team i'm thinking listen he's gonna make this team better yeah. Let's go win a chip. Let's. It, I'm going to do either, everything I can to be the best teammate possible. It's either that mentality or you have to play better. Exactly, and I don't think Rondo's played well enough to to warrant his position and his playing time to be safe. Now, the only argument I would say as far as him choosing the Lakers over the Clippers is that he did play for Doc Rivers. He played for Frank Vogel as well in Indiana. So, yeah, so he has, that's why he's, he, he's eyeing these two coaches. He, but. he played in the playoffs with the Clippers in 13 14, mm-hmm. and that team is documented as one of the most, like, having the most turmoil. Like, that team did not like each other. That Lob City team with. Oh, I DeAndre, heard all the news Jor- about Blake, yeah. too. Blake, DeAndre, CP3, Jared Dudley was on that team. Yeah, it was Dudley. He came out and he said something. He said that, that was the least chemistry a team has ever had that he's ever been a part of. And. But specifically, he was saying that I think that Griffin was like an asshole on that team. Yeah, he said that him and Griffin don't really get along anymore. Oh, yeah. So yeah, he does have he does have ties to both of these head coaches. But I think I think the no brainer as far as what what team he would fit into better would probably be the Lakers, only because they need that 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 position. Like you said, the Clippers already have multiple guards. Yeah, and their their guards' roles are a lot more set. Yeah, they're already established where I think for the Lakers, there's nights where you have Rondo who plays a little bit better, and then some nights when Avery Bradley is in the lineup and he's healthy, he comes in and he plays well, and then other nights Caruso's in, 
And then on another given night, you have Quinn Cook sometimes hits a couple threes. There's never, there's no, there's nothing that's set in stone with these guards. Right. And then like last night, for instance, in the Laker game, I think Darren Collison would have been the perfect player to play in that third and fourth quarter to give everybody else rest. And the Lakers squandered a 30 plus point lead last night to a Suns team that isn't very good. And the team got complacent, and LeBron James and AD had to play in the fourth quarter when they had absolutely no business doing so because the Lakers were up by so much. I think if Collison were on the team last night, I think him as the leader of the second unit, he doesn't let that happen. He doesn't let the team get complacent. I think he's able to create for players like Kyle Kuzma. But th- that should have been Kuzma's job from the get-go. Do you remember when we went to a Laker game, it was their home opener? Yes. And and LeBron and AD were sitting on the bench, and we just saw the team give up easy de- defensive points. Now, Correct. Now, we brought it up, and we said, who's going to score? Who's going to be that guy to go to to create offense? Because we don't have that person in the lineup right now. Because that lineup consisted of, like, Dwight, KCP, Danny Green. You don't have that guy. To go to when LeBron and AD sit, their offense goes stagnant. Now Kuzma has not shown uh, consistent enough to do that night in, night out. Now and Kuzma has been hurt and he has had trouble gaining his footing because of the injuries. But I mean, he played well last night. He had 19 points off the bench, but I mean, he didn't shoot all that well. But I think Darren Collison is that type of playmaker to where he can set up for other guys. He can create a shot for himself if need be to where the Lakers don't squander a 30-plus point lead last night. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say he is the answer to solve all of their problems as on the point guard end, but he does help, and he, but is he's a an better, upgrade. he is a better upgrade than the guards that we have. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm looking at his stats from last season with, with the Pacers. He averaged 11.2 points per game, 6 assists a game, 3.1 rebounds, 1.4 steals per game. He shot almost 47% from the field and shot just over 40%. Uh, from the three-point line. So he's a 40% three-point shooter. The year before that, he shot a career-high 46.8% from three. Two, uh, I guess not last season, but the season before. So I I think he's an upgrade at the point guard position, and he would be a much, uh, a much appreciated upgrade. And he went, he, he's an L.A. kid. He went to UCLA. Yeah. Uh, so I think... I think it's a great fit hey, for the with, Lakers. Uh, he played with Drew Holiday. Yeah, he did. Which pe- people may not have remembered him in his stint, his first stint with Indiana, but he was that energizer bunny in the playoffs against that Heat team. He yeah. had he, he was a good piece off the bench. Yeah, no doubt. So I, I don't know if he would, like you said, if he should start if he comes to the Lakers, if they do acquire him, but even off the bench. If he starts, that's fine. It doesn't matter where you put him, but I yeah. think he's still going to help the team. I th- but I think ultimately he would be a part of that closing lineup. I, c- I could envision a closing lineup of. I'd r- I would rather have him on the floor in the fourth quarter in a close game than Rondo or, sad to say, Caruso, even though he has played well. But I, r- I would rather have Collison. Yeah, listen, Collison, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, LeBron James, and AD closing out a fourth quarter. I think that's a great closing lineup especially if Kuzma can be the player we all think he can be. He, well, I know this conversation was mainly just about uh, 
Collison, but Kuzma does have to get better, and I know the injury has plagued him, but I think after the All-Star break, he really needs to lock in because, like I said, Collison can't be that guy. If they do happen to acquire him, he doesn't solve all their answers. So you need him to play well, and you need Kuzma to get healthy and play well. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise that second unit doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And then also the Lakers are still eyeing Andre Iguodala. It's it's still up in the air to see if they'll make a trade for him. So we don't we don't know what this team could look like. I mean, well, like like well, I said, that person would just give you a defensive uh, edge, and uh, obviously the uh, the experience in the playoffs and in the finals. If you right. if you happen to get there, and and like I said, this is this all probably sounds like nitpicking because the Lakers are twenty seven and seven, and they have the best record in the Western. No, Conference. no, no, no. But they do have issues, though. Yeah, there are. Issues of concern, and when when nights like last night happen, where even though yes they did get the win, but they should have won that game by thirty plus when they were up by thirty plus, they should have kept their foot on the gas, and they didn't. They got complacent, and and it's in games like those that teams see weaknesses, they see vulnerability, and and in the playoffs and in a seven game series, especially in the Western Conference, that's not going to fly. Oh no, no, not at all. Even even dating back to the Christmas game because we didn't have an episode during that week, but going back to the Christmas game, they were up 15 points in the third quarter and gave it up. They lost that game because they could not score. Yeah, and the, the third, the, the Clippers went on a run. They didn't. The Lakers did not have anybody to go to. Yeah, and in in my opinion, the Christmas Day thing, uh, the Christmas Day game, that loss is solely on LeBron James and no one else. Well, yeah, no, no, the yeah, the, the the ending seconds of it were was definitely on him, but. As far as seeing the offense run in the second and third quarter and even into the fourth, he had to he had to pick up some it wasn't, of the slack. It wasn't just those last seconds. It was those that mm-hmm. third and fourth quarter. He Tyler and I have talked about it many times and Tyler I I think seems to be okay with it, but because that's just the player LeBron is, but he just doesn't have that killer instinct like Kobe and Mike did. And to me, that's something I'm always gonna hold against him, especially in the GOAT conversation. But it's just that that loss is on him because he needs to to see that when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are doing everything they can for their team, that him and AD got to be the ones to step up and do everything they can to get that get their team the W. And I didn't see that on Christmas Day. No, and especially on that in that game too on Christmas Day, they don't have a fundamental play to run that they can go to to get them a bucket because at times when they need someone to score. They'll just give it to LeBron, or he'll dump it down in the post and let AD go to work. That doesn't work all the time, especially for the Clippers, who they have very good defenders in Montres Harrell and Paul George and Quiet Leonard, Patrick Beverly. He's the one who swiped the ball at, at, at uh, LeBron and blocked him. They don't have Patrick, that go-to. Patrick Beverly is probably six foot six foot one at the most, and he's blocking a six foot eight LeBron James on a three-point he, well, shot attempt. He's an elite defender. That shouldn't happen, though. Yeah, he's. Unfortunately, he's an elite defender, and that's what happened in that in that game. But w- what I'm saying is seeing the Lakers' offense unfold in the second quarter into the third quarter, especially when they let the Clippers go on that run, they don't have that, that like I'm saying, that fundamental pick-and-roll action. That's where I think Darren Collison can come in and run pick-and-roll with AD. Now he can stretch the floor now because he can shoot. So now yeah. you have a pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop option with him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, I think Darren Collison would be – a great fit. There also could also be some other better options for the Lakers to to potentially go after before the NBA trade deadline. One name that 
I think that could Wait, be. Are you thinking the same person? Am, am I thinking of? I mean, are you thinking of Derrick Rose? Oh, well, he's he is one person, but yes, uh, yeah, he's one person on the list. But I was thinking Jamal Crawford. Nobody has signed him. Okay, well, yeah, I mean Jamal Crawford. Yeah, obviously. I know but, he's old, but still, he. Yeah, I would obviously take Jamal Crawford on the Lakers, but I think with. Yeah, Jamal Crawford could help the Lakers. Yes, I would. He's thirty nine, but. Yeah, I that might mean have. He can't still score. Right, I might have a few names ahead of him, but he, yeah, he would be on my list to, for guys the Lakers should go after for sure. Because he's still a free agent. Yes, no one has signed him yet. Because realistically, right now it's Darren Collison and Derrick Rose. Yeah, and I mean Derrick Rose is putting up better numbers than his MVP season, which is insane. Which they would have to trade for him. Yes, they would have to trade for him. Now to acquire Derrick Rose, who do you give up? Yeah, see, I don't, I don't know because I don't know how the money would work out because you have to match salaries and all of that. But ultimately, I think who you could possibly see go would be Quinn Cook, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, if you could, I don't know what Rondo's trade clause or situation like that would be because I think you would probably have to talk Rondo into getting traded somewhere. So if you could talk Rondo to get traded to Detroit, throw him in. Obviously, I think Detroit would probably ask for Kuz, and I don't think the Lakers are willing to give up Kuz just yet because obviously he was the one young asset they did keep from the Anthony Davis trade, so I don't think they're ready to to put Kuz in trade talks yet. And that was hard to keep him too. Yeah, I'm not ready to put Kuz in trade talks yet. So, I don't know. Trading for a player might be a lot more difficult than just signing a guy because the Lakers still do have an open roster spot. So, it'll... We'll see. I think I think that's why Darren Collison's move is the is the one leading it. And like I said, you can maybe sign Crawford. Yeah. No, it's like we said, the Lakers have concerns that need to be addressed. And I think Darren Collison kind of checks all those boxes of addressing the concerns that that the Lakers have. But also on the subject of trades. Another trade, well, not another, the first trade since the CP3 and Russell Westbrook deal over the summer was made. The first trade this season, the Cleveland Cavaliers traded Jordan Clarkson to the Utah Jazz for Dante Axum and two two future second-round picks. Utah is obviously looking for some much-needed help off the bench as the Western Conference continues to be the gauntlet that it has been for some time. And in his three games since joining Utah, Clarkson's averaging 16 points per game, shooting 47% from the field and shooting 35% from three. So he's doing what he needs to do for Utah. And then on the other end, Dante Exum, he's only averaging 7.3 points per game, and he's shooting 50% from the field, which is good. But... Dante Exum, I think, has been a bit of a disappointment. Oh, he has. He considering the hype he had coming into the NBA. Yeah, because he was he was scouted overseas and all this, and people said that you know he was the next you know elite point guard. He goes to to Utah. He did have a couple injuries, and so you didn't see him for a couple seasons. Yeah, he didn't play for an entire year. Uh, his second year in the league. Yeah, exactly. And to me, it's a, it's an it's a win win for the Utah Jazz. You're getting a good piece in Clarkson. The Laker fans can can attest to that. They saw how good he can play at times, and even in uh, in Cleveland when he was there, he played well. 
Yeah, it's just it's Cleveland's at a point where they're looking to get rid of players and gain draft picks and gain young assets. And along with reporting this trade, Woj also reported that the Cavs are more than likely going to start getting rid of veteran players to acquire those draft picks and assets that they're looking for. So do you think that this trade between Cleveland and Utah is going to jumpstart the trades throughout the league that are that are sure to happen as we get closer to February 6th? Oh yeah! As soon as as soon as the week before February six happens or the trade deadline happens, that's when the trades really start picking up. Yeah, you start you start seeing more reports of this person going here, this person getting shopped over there. So yeah, they, it definitely starts picking up at the new year. Right after Christmas is when teams really decide. It's weird because it, I wouldn't say it's the halfway point. Well, it's because but it feels like it though. It's it's because there's a I believe it's six weeks, or yeah. I believe it's like six weeks before you can trade any players that were newly signed in the offseason. So there's like a a down period, I guess, for when NBA trades uh, occur. But, yeah, I mean, especially with the report that Woj was saying that Cleveland is going to start getting rid of players, I could see them also getting rid of Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson. Well, well Love would be the first one as far as the veteran player. and. From what I've heard, he wants to go back to play for his home state, which would be Oregon. Yes. And that would mean the Blazers. That is the perfect fit. Which Perfect fit for Kevin Love. And they need a big because Nurk is still recovering. Zach Collins is out. Carmel, Car- Whiteside sucks. I'm sorry. Carmelo's been great. But, yeah, like you said, Whiteside has, has not been getting the job done for him. And listen, Damon CJ's clock is is ticking. Their window is is closing, especially in such a competitive conference. And looking at the the NBA standings right now, yeah. See that duo. I don't think they last another what three four years because as as one of them, maybe not Dame, but maybe CJ. You're gonna start getting tired of CJ. This- CJ is probably more likely of the two to get to traded leave. away yeah. or leave on his own. I think, but. They're they're fourteen and twenty one right now. They're in the ninth seed, so they're 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 on the cusp of making the playoffs. So I think making a move for Kevin Love and a player of that caliber could be what puts them over the top and gets them back into the playoff conversation. Obviously, I don't think they're a title contender this year, but they could still make some noise in the playoffs, especially if they get Kevin Love. Yeah, but no, like I said, he would be the first one. Tristan would probably be the second one. But I don't know where he would end up, to be honest with you. There is a lot of teams who could use, because he's, he's a great rebounder. Yeah. Offensively, he is a nightmare. But rebounding-wise, he's great for you. So, I, I, again, I don't know where exactly he would end up. But, yeah, Love would definitely be the first. And I personally would like to see him go to Portland and help that team. Yeah, I would definitely like to see him go to Portland as well. But, yeah, I mean... With this with this trade between Cleveland and Utah, I definitely think we're going to see some more action, especially as we get closer to the trade deadline on February 6th. Now, moving on to the last topic of the night. The first NBA All-Star fan returns have been announced. And just a reminder for everybody how the breakdown goes for NBA All-Star selections now. The fans account for 50% of the vote. The players get 25% of the vote. 
and the media also gets another 25%. The leading vote-getters currently in each conference, for the Western Conference, you got Luka Doncic sitting at 1,073,957 total votes. He's the leading vote-getter for the entire NBA so far. And then That doesn't surprise me, though, with the season he's had this year and what he had last year. Yeah, and listen, it's... He's an international star. Yeah, so you now, 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 not only are you getting the votes from the U A uh, from the U uh, U S fans, you're getting them from where he's from, all of yeah, uh, all the Europe. Slovenian fans, yeah, all of exactly. Europe, and then the leading vote getter in the Eastern Conference is Giannis Antetokounmpo, another international superstar. This might be the first time we have two of the leading vote getters be international superstars. What was it last year, too? I think all the awards went to, or the majority of them went to international people. Yeah, and Giannis is sitting, I mean, literally like six, like 600 votes behind Luka. They both uh, have over a million votes. The only other player over a million votes is LeBron James. Um, and then just also a reminder, the, the leading vote-getters for each conference are the captains now for the All-Star game. And then they get to pick their teams, regardless of conference. They could have a mixture of East Western, players, yeah, yeah, a mixture of Western and Eastern Conference players. But there will be five starters uh, for each team that'll be represented from each conference. But they don't necessarily have to be on the same team. Yeah, no. Did you did you see that Caruso and uh, Taco Fall lead? Okay, so that's oh, that, not lead, but they do have a bunch of votes. Yeah, so that, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to go through, like, the front court and the guards for each conference and just name the top ten. I think that story and, stands out in itself, though. Why the hell would you vote for Caruso? What do you mean? <laughs> I don't—he's he's good, and I, but I think it's a big joke of him, you know, of all the— Well, yeah, it's, the all, the, that they're it's, all, the, it's all the Laker fans uh, yeah, the, just voting Caruso off a win. It was one game— for God's sakes, where they were chanting MVP when he was at the free throw line. Yeah, but the best part is, is he has more votes than Devin Booker and John Morant. Oh, that's sad. Well, okay, maybe John Morant, but not Devin Booker. He shouldn't have more than him. He literally has like probably like 400 votes more than Devin Booker. <laughs> but all right, so real quick, the the top 10 for the West front court, you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the top two, then Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Then we got Carl Anthony Towns, Kristaps Porzingis, Nikola Jokic, Carmelo Anthony at eight, Brandon Ingram at nine, and number 10, Dwight Howard. Oh, so Howard's made it too. Yes. Wait, well, wait, where's Harden in all this? Well, that this was this was just the front court. Oh, I'm getting oh, to the guards. Oh, you're getting to the guards. Yeah. So the guards now, you got Luka Doncic as the top guard, then James Harden at two, Damian Lillard three, Steph Curry four, Russ five. Uh, D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell at six, Donovan Mitchell seven, Alex Caruso at eight, Devin Booker at nine, and John Morant at ten. So right now, currently, Luca would be the captain of of the West. Uh, not the, not of the West of just his team. Yeah. So Luca would be a captain, and Giannis would be a captain. The five, well, the four other players that he could choose as starters from the West potentially are Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden. Jeez. So, like, for instance, if we're going back to the old way of the West uh, of the All-Star game, the West starting five right now would be 
Luka Doncic, James Harden, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. Pretty solid. I would arguably say those are probably the top five players in the Western Conference right now. Yeah, easily. I would say that, too. So, now the East, for the front court, we got Giannis Antetokounmpo at one, two, Joel Embiid, three, Pascal Siakam, which is great. I, I love it. He's having a, a stellar year after an unbelievable year last year. So, I think it's definitely well-deserved for him to be in the top three for votes for the front court in the East. Then at number four, we got Jimmy Butler, then Jason Tatum, then, like you said, Taco Fall at uh, six. So weird. I mean, listen, everybody loves, like, those weird stories. And, that listen, he's going to get votes. He's also got that international aspect because he's got everybody home in Africa voting for him. It reminds me of, was it a couple years ago when Zaza Pachulia had a— a bunch of votes too, yeah. Because of where he's from, he's from like the country called Georgia or something yeah. like that. Yeah, he's from Georgia, and uh, he had his whole country like vote for him, and he had a, a lot of votes. Well, that's how Yao Ming would be the leading vote getter every year when he made the All Star team. He would have all of China voting for him. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but then also at number seven, we got Bam Adebayo of the Heat. Eight, Gordon Hayward. Nine, Andre Drummond. Ten, Demontis Sabonis. Then for the guards, we got Trey Young as the leading. Vote getter for the guards in the East. He'll probably make it this year if he if he's healthy. Yeah. Two, we got Kyrie Irving. Three, Kemba Walker. Four, Derek Rose. Five, Zach Levine. Six, Ben Simmons. Seven, Jalen Brown. Eight, Kyle Lowry. Nine, Bradley Beal. And number 10, Spencer Dinwiddie. That's surprising. So the the starters from the East potentially right now, obviously you'd have Giannis as the captain. And then you got Joel Embiid and Pascal Siakam as the other two uh, players in the front court that would start. And in the East, uh, for the guards, it would be Trey Young and Kyrie Irving. So basically, the draft would be Luka and Giannis getting to pick their teams, and the starters that they would get to choose from are— be from any of those two pots. Right. So it would be anybody including Trey Young, Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Luke, uh, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. Pretty solid group to pick uh, some starters from. Yeah, you'll have two equally uh, good starting fives. Yeah, and then obviously the reserves for the All-Star game get chosen by the NBA coaches throughout the league. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of a lot of talent to pick from this year for All-Stars and a lot of deserving players that – might get snubbed. It's always it's always yeah, there's fun. always a couple players are gonna get snubbed. Yeah. The only a- people the only person from those lists, East, West conferences that I wanna see is Donovan Mitchell. I wanna see him make an all star appearance. He is currently sitting at number seven in he could be a reserve. He could be a reserve. The the coaches might give it to him, but I don't think he'll get a starter nod because I just no, no, think no, no. being in Utah, no, no, he won't, it's hard to get votes. He won't get a starter nod, but I could see him being a reserve. Yeah, and I mean, listen, Donovan Mitchell's a great player. If he doesn't get it this year, he, he definitely, I think, has all-stars in his future. But yeah, so those are the first returns for the NBA All-Star game. It is, where is it this year? I believe it's in Charlotte. It is in Charlotte, I believe. Right, because they had to move it a couple years ago because the NBA didn't like the North Carolina bathroom. It was all the yeah. That's what it was. You're right. All right, so 
Oh, no, it is in Chicago this year. So when is it in Charlotte? I don't know when the hell it is in Charlotte, but it's Chicago this year. Oh, that's really dope. Yeah, it's in Chicago. So hopefully one of the Bulls makes it, but I don't think so. <laughs> Zach Levine has a chance. He's, he's yeah, he fifth. Does. He's, he could probably make it as a reserve. Derrick Rose making it as a reserve would be dope, getting to see him in his hometown in an all-star game. Yeah, not even next year. Next year, it's in Indiana. Oh, geez. So I was, I was way off about this. Uh, and the following year, it's, it's in Cleveland. Wow, I feel like but, an idiot. No, no, no. But they moved it, like, I think way down the line. I don't even think they have a date. Cause the 20- oh, have they just not given it back to them yet? No date, because 2024 is Utah. I'd rather go to Charlotte than Utah. Mm, oh, I don't know. That's a, those are two slim picking cities. <laughs> I don't know if I want either right. of them. Anyway, uh, you got anything else before we get out of here? No, no. I think I think we covered pretty much everything. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we're gonna we're gonna have to close the show on a bit of a somber note. Former commissioner of the NBA David Stern passed away uh, yesterday, uh, January first, twenty twenty at the age of 77 after suffering a brain hemorrhage on December 17th. Without David Stern, the NBA would not be where it is today. He brought the NBA to the global stage and made it a multi-billion dollar business. He also helped navigate the league out of one of the worst times in league history when he first took over as commissioner. And yeah, there were all there were some controversies that happened during his time but I think overall he he did so much for the game of basketball that his mark is everlasting on the NBA and the game of basketball and there was such an overwhelming amount of support and and good words said about him yesterday after it was announced that he passed that I think it's safe to say the entire NBA and basketball community throughout the entire world suffered a, a great loss yesterday and he will be sorely missed by all. Well, yeah, it's like what you we, actually well, we were both talking about about how the game is just so international now. That's because of him, though. Yeah, players like Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo wouldn't have the Existed. opportunity to be the leading vote getters if it wasn't for what David Stern did for the game globally and, and making the NBA and games available in other countries with TV deals and and sending players on goodwill trips to other countries in the offseason. Even that the NBA drafts people from overseas, too, in the European leagues and the Chinese leagues. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, I mean, I think a lot of of the the current players yesterday when they were expressing their their condolences and thoughts on on David Stern, they said they they would never forget the night that they called their name to come up on that stage as, as a draft pick into the NBA. And, I mean, we're 20, I'm 25, you're 24. Yep. So, I mean, we grew up with David Stern as, as the commissioner. As the commissioner, and it wasn't until 2014 when Adam Silver took over for David Stern. So, I mean, for the majority of our life so far, I know it's not going to end up being that, in the end, but for the majority of our life so far, David Stern was the commissioner of the NBA, and that's who we always associated with the NBA as. So it it's pretty crazy that he, he's uh, also responsible for the WNBA too. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's responsible for so much uh, 
for the for the game of basketball. I think he's, I mean, he's arguably just as important for the game of basketball as Dr. James Naismith, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, at least, for everything that he he did for the game. And like I said, there were some controversies. He did have to deal with like the malice at the palace. He he changed the dress code, and a lot of people thought that uh, that had to do with racism and all of that. So I mean, there there are some stuff and obviously most the, importantly yes obviously the the chris paul trade getting vetoed i hope laker fans as as, as long as it was uh ago i should say uh i think they should still be forgiving about that now that he's uh he's dead oh obviously yeah i, I would hope so do not have any I, I mean i did see some some people on twitter oh, I mean, say some nasty stuff but yeah, i mean gonna, that's you're gonna, you're gonna get, get that. that on twitter of, of course but yeah i mean listen i don't i don't hold it against the guy he was he had a job to do yeah, I was over it two years after. I'm, I mean, I'm honestly still not over it, but it is what it is. I don't think they would have won any titles, to be quite honest. But, but yeah, uh, you're crazy. But that's a topic for another day. But anyways, rest in peace to David Stern. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duga sports at Tyler Pacholke and at Jacob double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK show. Peace.